Dealing with the loss of a loved one is never easy, but sometimes it's harder than others. Any holiday is especially hard on us because it's a time for gathering, right? Whether it's 4th of July, you're having the picnic, or it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, and, and you're at your dinner table. It's a time for being together, and it makes it painfully obvious when your someone is missing. That's Renata Kristen, donor family supervisor, talking about the intersection of taking care of donor families and being a donor family herself. I'm Marian Shuck, host of Let's Talk Hope, a podcast devoted to starting the conversation on organ and tissue donation by exploring gifts of hope. Renata, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to work at Gift of Hope? I came to work for Gift of Hope because about 13 years ago, our family was first introduced to organ donation uh, when my nephew was born with uh, many uh, heart anomalies. And we were very uh, ignorant to donation, but we thought it was not as big of a journey as it is. And uh, unfortunately, my nephew was not a candidate for donation, but it did open our family's eyes to what donation meant. Fast forward three years, and I was looking for uh, a change in my career and saw that Gift of Hope uh, was hiring, and I applied and uh, had a amazing, amazing interview and knew from the very beginning, that first interview, that this was my home. This is where my journey was meant to be, and I believe wholeheartedly that I was introduced to donation to bring me here. Yeah, Renata, uh, that's a, a sort of a segue back to my old life, right? When I was the recruiter for Gift of Hope in the beginning, and I actually had the opportunity to interview you for the position. And I'm so delighted, not only that you continue to stay with Gift of Hope, that you're my donor family supervisor. So how would you describe working as a donor family services supervisor and advocate? What does that entail? It, it is the most difficult yet the best, most fulfilling work there is. Uh, for some families, we meet at the at the beginning of their journey, uh, and for some families, we don't really interact until many years out. Every family looks a little bit different. Every relationship looks a little bit different. Uh, the needs and wants of our donor families are a little bit different, and we try to truly envelope our donor families in the best way that we can, meeting them where where they need us or they want us to be with them. What has it been like helping families navigate this intersection of grief and giving a selfless gift by donation of their loved ones? It's been wonderful, amazing, fulfilling, difficult, and very heavy helping families through their grief process and meeting them in their journey when and how they want us to build these relationships with them or when they just want to touch base with us. It is amazing to hold the hand of a loved one whose family member is a hero forever and who has extended this gift of life and their legacy to so many beyond who they knew here on earth. What are some of the ways in which you help donor families by supporting them through their time with Gift of Hope? 
We have an amazing, amazing donor family services team at Gift of Hope that help our donor families in so many different aspects. We're able to provide resources between journals and books and physically referring them out to some mental health care. Uh, We have this most amazing group, support group on Facebook of well over 1,600 donor families, donor family members that support each other. And we provide content to and really establish a robust conversation around grief um, and, and just being there for each other. We also are able to help with writing to their loved ones recipients. Um, We do donor family recipient meetings and help if both the recipient and the donor family are at a place that they would like to meet at the same time. We're able to move forward on that journey with donor families. We honor our donors with tributes. We honor our donor family members through workshops and memory making of their loved ones. Uh, and share their stories and say their loved ones' names. It's incredibly therapeutic to to be able to sit in a room with people that you know understand the hollowness, the love, the gratefulness, the sadness of being a donor family and being as a donor family. Uh, aftercare specialist, it is amazing to be able to provide that space to share. Renata, you mentioned that you meet families at the beginning of their journey, but oftentimes it's really the worst day of their lives. What are some of the ways in which you can help families in that beginning? And, And how do you get them to not overcome, but really understand their journey as a donor family after they've consented to donation? We we meet families in the beginning, several years later. We just last summer met a family 30 years out um, where they wanted to establish a relationship with us. Um, in the beginning, in that initial grief, we're here to support. We're here to just sometimes stand by that donor family and help them breathe through the minutes that are so very difficult to breathe. Um, sometimes we're able to provide resources uh, in in different manners, um, depending on that family's needs, and uh, being able to refer them to whatever that family is that they need. Uh, we are also able to move forward with some uh, memory making. Um, types of final goodbyes, we are able to to really envelope that donor family and provide them the support that they need. And you mentioned that you and I are both aware of the journey. Uh, me having lost my husband, Reggie, about two and a half years ago. Uh, you having lost your brother about three years ago and recently your father. Tell us really about the the intersection for you of being this donor family advocate and being a donor family yourself. How how are you able to do this job? Some days it's much easier than others. 
we were at an event not too long ago, and there was a a young lady with a child, and her child was about two, and she was looking and, and talking to us, and I happened to ask her who she lost, and she said with tears in her eyes that she lost her mother. And I looked at her and I knew that I needed to share. Um, and I said, I lost my father. And she hugged me so very tightly. And her daughter pulls on her coat and says, mommy, who is that? And she said, she is my new friend. And that to me encapsulates our support of one another, our just being with each other and the support through this journey of grief and this standing by each other and understanding that we may not have the same journeys, but we understand the pain that each other has. We understand where we each other stands and how this journey of ours is, is a little bit different now. I would like to also share something that really means a, a very lot to me and I think changes the landscape of donation for me. Um, my brother was able to be a donor. Uh, I think that the transition, because he was able to be a donor, I, I, and I, I hesitate to say it was easier because it's never easy, but it was, it's definitely more breathable. I know he's out here helping. I know that his story continues to be written. With my father, my father passed. Due to the circumstances, he was not able to be a donor. It is a much heavier journey. And I truly believe that because he was not able to be a donor in the regard that I know that my brother is still helping write someone's story. And that my father's legacy is not the same. Right. That's a, I, I hadn't thought of it that way before. And um, as you know, my husband, Reggie, was a donor. And I actually heard from one of his cornea donors. And so you're absolutely correct that it does give you some peace of mind, knowing that you've created a lasting legacy for your loved one and that, you know, they've been able to help someone. What is the impact um, that the aftercare program can have on donor families? We are sometimes a source of strength. We are sometimes a source of underlying breathability. Sometimes we are a source of just being near someone who you know you're not alone anymore. Our program really provides a conduit of connection. We connect with our donor families. We connect donor families with each other. We connect donor families with recipients. We provide the reminders that their loved ones are heroes. Their legacies go on well beyond what we've known here while we were here. And that is an amazing thought to have. For many people that have lost loved ones, could be experiencing first, second, third holiday, birthdays, anniversaries, you know, significant events without them. What words of advice can you give to help families grappling with grief through 
any bittersweet time? I have to say that my, the first and, and most important thing is to be kind to yourself. Extend yourself some grace. Uh, holidays, any holiday, is especially hard on us because it's a time for gathering, right? Whether it's 4th of July, you're having the picnic, or it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, and, and you're at your dinner table. It, it's a time for being together, and it makes it painfully obvious when your someone is missing. Um, research shows that our senses are significantly impacts our emotional well-being. So when you see this and these sensory peaks of the year, right, our holidays, our birthdays, our special dates, our anniversaries, when they come up, they increase your senses. And so our emotional well-being is very tied to that. This increases our grief triggers. So I would suggest that we reflect on our own expectations for ourselves and others. Again, I'm going to go back and, and say, be kind to yourself. Extend grace to yourself. Every family and every person is a little bit different. For some, they have to get through the holidays and maintain the traditions because of children or because of uh, other circumstances. But just be aware. And maybe if it's right for you, minimize those traditions or set new traditions. Try something new. When my brother passed away the first year, my mother is very traditional. And she set out a setting, a table setting for my brother. And it remained empty. And no one was allowed to sit there. It was for him. And that's okay for some. It helped my mom. For me, personally, to sit there and see that empty chair was probably the most excruciating part of that first holiday. So the next year, we tried a different tradition. And that second tradition didn't land for all of us the same as well. So. Trying new traditions is okay, and it's okay to go back and try something different if that didn't work. For some people, it's skipping the normal traditions, and for some people, it's keeping what their normal traditions are. And for others, it's setting boundaries. So it's really time for you to set those boundaries and, and, and set the thoughts around what you can get through. Some things to know, though, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to say, you know what, I, I should go to this and want to go to this. Tell the host. If, if you're invited somewhere and that morning you're like, I'm really sorry, I just cannot. That's okay. It's okay to leave early. It's okay to, to communicate with your support system and, and say, you know what, today's really difficult. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be sad. You know, being happy doesn't mean that you're forgetting about your loved one. It doesn't mean that at all. It's okay to talk about them. It's okay to bring up their name or, or their contributions to the holiday, to that specific date or anniversary or birth date. It's okay to honor them by incorporating a way to memorialize or, or remember them. 
some great ones that have been put forth by some of our donor families where uh, we had a donor family put out an old photo album at their coffee table and they had people over and it just sparked so many different stories. Uh, it's okay to prepare their, their favorite meal or their favorite music or hang up a stacking and ask everyone to write a, a story or a note to them. It's about giving ourselves grace. And if we know what works for us, great. And if we don't know, it's about trying and, and seeing what works for us. But it's also about communicating to our loved ones who are here with us, our support systems, about what our boundaries are and, and how much we can take. And if we need a minute, then that's what we need. Yeah, Renata, that is um, such great advice. I will tell you, you know, the first two holidays without Reggie were very difficult for me. But I realized that, to your point, I, I, I had to move forward. I had to, you know, continue to make the holiday um, Christmas and um, really Christmas about my daughter, right? And about my family and, you know, continuing to be a part of that ecosystem that is your family. It was, I think, a little bit more difficult through COVID. So I definitely appreciate, you know, your words of wisdom on how to navigate that. And then I will also say that it has been very helpful for you and the team, you know, to be able to do the wellness calls or the check-ins or to send a text or an email saying, how are you doing today? I think that as a donor family, I can attest to the importance of that um, because sometimes your family is in the middle of their grief too. And so they can't really understand, you know, your grief um, and how it lands with you. So by being able to have a group of folks such as you and your team to be able to reach out and let people know that things are okay, I will say has been very helpful. I'm not a traditional donor family because I do work at Gift of Hope. And so we see this day in and day out, right? And so in the beginning, I just wanted to sort of land in my space, right? And I just wanted to see how to navigate that myself, but recognizing that you do need people. And so I can really appreciate uh, everything that you and your team do to help support donor families uh, where they are. And um, one final thing that I would like to ask you is a couple weeks ago, we had a donor family recipient meeting. And can you help understand, our audience really understand what that's like and what it means and how it has some type of closure for a lasting legacy and then also how it creates this amazing new family for folks. I will tell you, I did get a letter from uh, my husband's cornea donor and it meant a lot. There were, you know, it's incredible, a lot of similarities between her life and my life. And, you know, she had lost her husband and I lost my husband, but she had a daughter and I had a daughter and, you know, we write to each other, but it's just, it gives you a sense of peace. And so I know that at times some donor families hear from their recipients, some don't. And so help us understand just a little bit about how that works and what are expectations for, for that type of meeting. Sure, absolutely, Marion. You know, it, it's beautiful when both the recipient and the donor family are 
uh, are in their journey where they are ready and willing to write to the other party and or take next steps to either meet or speak with the other party. It is an absolutely phenomenal next step in people's journey. It is also one that does not happen so often. A lot of, for many, many different reasons um, on both sides. Sometimes the recipient or sometimes the donor family are just not ready. Sometimes they just cannot write that letter or they cannot move forward in their journey in that way just yet. And that's okay. Um, when we are able to have donor families and recipients meet, it truly is always about the donor. It truly is always about extending their legacy and the love that donor families and recipients share for one another is like none other. Hands down, there is nothing like a donor family recipient meeting. We really feel the presence and the legacy and the love of the donor. And I am one who does not believe in coincidences. For whatever reason, we are connected to one another's human beings in so many different facets. And exploring this journey of correspondence is, is truly amazing if we're able to move forward with it. Unfortunately, not everyone is or at the time is able to. Renata, thank you so much for that. That was a beautiful uh, sentiment in response. As we wrap up, I would like to ask uh, what your final uh, words of wisdom would be for donor families who are new to their journey, a couple of years out of their journey, um, to 10 years out, 20, 30 years out. How would you advise them to move forward in their their journey, um, in their grief, and not necessarily move on um, so that they continue to create a lasting legacy, but to your point earlier, that they can also find joy, find happiness uh, as they continue to keep their loved one uh, holding a special place in their hearts. Thank you, Marion, so kindly. Uh, I, I think that sometimes time is irrelevant. Sometimes, even 30 years out, we can be brought back to day one. And sometimes, two weeks out feels like it's been forever. Uh, I think the most important part of, of our journey with grief is to remind ourselves that the love that we shared with our significant other, with our loved one who has passed, is timeless. It, it can go on. That love doesn't pass. That love and that, that legacy of life, that is forever. Um, I think that finding ways that honor your loved one and your relationship with your loved one is truly key. Finding ways of honoring not just them, but your relationship with them uh, looks a little bit different to everyone. Through time, we can 
navigate that and remind ourselves that our loved one wouldn't want us to stay in in a place of emptiness within our heart. They came into our lives to fill our heart. If you think about, I had a donor family once tell me this, and this was the most amazing words that I still carry with me. And she said to me, I choose every day to let the love that we had be bigger than the hole I feel with them gone. And that's that's a conscious choice. Thank you. It it really is. It wasn't me. It was it was all a donor family. And it truly is spectacular to think about when we lose someone that we love and is so important to our lives, how that that hole feels so large. But if you really think about the love that you shared with that person and what that relationship meant to you and to them and to to, to your journey and make it bigger than that hole. We are amazingly blessed, aren't we? Yes, we are. And Renata, I just want to thank you for being here with us today to share a little bit about Gift of Hope's aftercare program, your role as the supervisor, and your words of wisdom for helping people to navigate grief, to understand ways in which they can also um, work through the holiday season. It has been very enjoyable, very uh, meaningful, especially for me as, as someone who is almost three years into that journey. And I will tell you, you know, this holiday season, uh, I, I I didn't have any reservations um, of participating. And it just was, to your point, a really good feeling. So I want to thank you um, for the role that you've played in helping me get through this and to, to work through this and, and to move on. So I just want to thank you for today and really appreciate all that uh, you do. One, for Gift of Hope, two, for donor families, and also appreciate the journey that you lead as the supervisor and as a donor family. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, Marion. Thank you. That was Renata Kristen, donor family supervisor talking about the intersection of grief, holidays, and how to move forward in your journey. And we want to thank you for listening to Let's Talk Hope. We hope that you will listen wherever you subscribe to podcasts. This has been produced by Rivet. And if you'd like to hear more great podcasts, please visit rivet360.com. Hello, Tina Montgomery, Supervisor Community Outreach. In my role, I'm responsible for raising awareness and educating the community about organ, eye, and tissue donation. Daily, I'm asked a lot of questions about the donation process and how it actually works. So what I've decided to do is I put all those great questions on our wheel and we're gonna answer some from the audience right now. So let's spin the wheel. And the wheel is going around and around and around and it's landed on question number nine. Can someone who tests positive for COVID-19 be a donor? This is a big issue that's going around in our communities. So let me just give you a really great answer to this. Gift of Hope, who we are, our organ procurement organizations as a whole, test all potential deceased donors for COVID-19 prior to offering organs for transplant. Potential donors who test positive with active COVID-19 would not be able to donate. 
if someone recovers from COVID-19, then passes away from something unrelated, donations still may be possible. If you are considering being a living donor, you will work with your healthcare team to receive a series of health screenings to determine your eligibility, which includes COVID-19 testing. If you test positive of COVID-19, you would not be eligible for living donation until your care team determines donation is safe for you and the recipient. So I wanna thank you all for that question. That is a great question. I know it's on the top of many people's minds here during this time. So we've got more questions to get to. So I hope you continue to send them in to us. We will add them to the big wheel and we will give it a spin at the next episode of Let's Talk Hope.